Good morning. My heart belongs to you. My heart belongs to you. I'll never give myself to another. My heart belongs to you. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Amen. That's what I like to hear. Just got the room full of the Holy Spirit in here. and uh, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm preaching extra long today, so prepare your hearts. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's going to be a great soccer match later. I'm just kidding. I know. I know. I know. Uh, I don't care about either team. I'm really there for the food team. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm there for the food. The food... If the food is wrong, just cancel the entire event, right? Uh, no, I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. We're going to get into this word. Um, we're starting a new series, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Over the next couple few weeks, we're going to be studying out of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, and that's Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. You know, he's writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. And um, if you've never read the book of Ephesians, it's a very dense book. It's a very, like strong book of the Bible that uh, when you start reading it, you're like, wow, this is so much more than what I thought. It's a, it's a shorter book, but um, it's a good book nonetheless. But we start off, actually, we don't even start the book of Ephesians in Ephesians. We hear about the, book, we hear about the Ephesians in the book of Acts, in Acts 19. Uh, I'm going to read it briefly, right, because this is Paul while he was in Ephesus. It says, while Apollo was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So he's talking about his journey here. This is in Acts 19. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, right? So we talked about that weeks prior, that we can, have, we can be Christians and we can and go to church and, and claim Jesus, but we can be Christians without the Holy Spirit, right? We spoke about that. And we've seen um, some of that on display, that people can go to church and, and claim church and claim Jesus and still not be full of the Holy Spirit. Just like if you stand, you standing in a garage doesn't make you a car. A Christian can be in, come to church every single week, but never be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see that right here in Acts 19, where, G, where Paul's talking to them. He goes, hey, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they say, no, what is that? We received John's baptism. He's like, oh, You've never heard, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says to them, Paul says, John's baptism was of repentance. He told the people to believe. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. And I know last season we talked about that Jesus' number one goal was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue in Acts 19.8. Um, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean, right? I'm doing short recaps. What does the kingdom of God mean? That means the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are two separate things, right? The kingdom of heaven is a location and the kingdom of God is an influence. So he was, it says right here, he was speaking about the kingdom of God. He was speaking on the influence of God. It says some of, some of them became obstinate and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrrhenius. 
This went on for two years so that the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons had touched them and were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and some evil spirits left them. And so we're picking up in Ephesus, right? So we turn to the book of Ephesians. Now Paul, he's writing this letter from a Roman prison. He's writing this letter from a Roman prison to the Ephesians, to the Ephesians. And basically, and so the book of Ephesians is broken up into two parts. Um, And write this down. It's broken up into two parts. It's broken up into the first part is the first chapters one through three. Paul speaks on the story of the gospel. Right. So chapters one, two, three, one, one, two, three um, is the no one else got that. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Or should I say one through three? Um, And in in chapters four to six, Paul speaks about Christian living and our participation in the story. And so we're going to start in Ephesians one right now. I'm going to read it to you guys. It says this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. Underline holy people in your Bible. All holy people means I'm writing to the saints. You are a saint if you are in Christ Jesus. You are a saint. That's what holy people means. May God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. And this is where we're going to start breaking down the text and really understanding it. And he says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided to advance, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured on us who belong to his dear son. When Paul was writing these letters, Ephesus had this great square, and and the church that started in Ephesus was big. It was larger. And existed in the church in Ephesus were Jews and Gentiles, right? Jews and Greeks, to be specific, but Jews called them Gentiles. Two totally different groups of people, and they were all coming to faith in the book and in, in, in this in this. And so when Paul's writing to the church, he says, I'm writing to not just the Jews, I'm not writing to just the Gentiles, I'm writing to all of you who are the saints. I'm writing to all of you who are the holy people. I don't care if you're a Jew or you have been circumcised or uncircumcised. I don't care if you're a Gentile. I'm writing to the holy people on a whole. That's why he says holy people and not holy persons or holy group. He's writing to all of them on a whole. So the first three chapters, and we're going to go through this week by week, he's talking to the church. He's saying, church, holy people, this is what the Lord has to say to you. This is the story for you. You guys are all together in this. You're not separated by what you have or you don't have. Because the Jews looked down on the Greeks or the Gentiles because they said, we are God's chosen people. How many of us have ever been to a church, right, where people look down on you because it's like, I've been saved for 53 years. And my question would now be, yeah, but are you, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit for that long? No? Okay. I know, that's a little, don't, it's a little jab, you know. 
The, intro, the, the title to this series is called The Family Declaration. You could write that at the top, The Family Declaration. A declaration, what is that? It's a formal statement or, and or document embodying and displaying an announcement or proclamation. The book of Ephesians is Paul's declaration to the saints, which includes us, amen, that it is by the gospel that we have been saved, and through the gospel of the Spirit, we have unity. In this whole entire book, Paul is not focusing on uniformity, he's focusing on unity. He's saying in Christ Jesus, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no whatever. We are all united by the Spirit of God. And I want to let you know, in this room, the common bond that we all have is not that we're human, is not that we're American, it's not that we have whatever, it's not what we have or what we don't have. The common bond in which we all have is by the Spirit and the Spirit alone. We are a people of one Spirit. And so Paul goes, he makes a declaration, and he says, hey, it doesn't matter what you identify with. It doesn't matter what, what you look at yourself as. All that matters is the Spirit of God because all of our stories are connected by a crimson thread, and that is the blood of Jesus. So all of us are connected through the blood of Jesus and through the Spirit. That makes us one church, one body, one spirit. That's it. He's like, don't, don't think you're better than each other because of where you came from or what you come from. You just know that when you have the Spirit, you are all one church. In chapter 1, we see in the first three, we see in the first um, couple verses that Paul displays the constitution of the church, but, and he breaks it down into the Holy Trinity. He gives thanks to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gives thanks to the Father in verses um, 3 through 6, right? He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You guys see that? It's not that the Father is going to bless us. What does it say? It speaks past tense. His tense usage in that is very important. Who has blessed us? So that means you don't have to perform. You don't have to go and do things to get yourself right with God. He's saying he has already blessed us with a spiritual blessing that before you were even conceived, before you were even a thought, before your name was even written down in the hospital, the blessings were already for you. You didn't have to make a checklist. You don't have to do things to make those blessings for you. He says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms? Why? Because we are united in Christ. There are too many Christians in this world, and even myself at some point, where I was so focused on doing things to get blessings, and God is like, I don't know what you're doing because all these blessings are already yours. I already have it stored up for you. 
It's, it's not something you got to work for. It's not something you have to barter and trade for. You don't have to beg me. I'm going to give it to you already because it's already yours because you united with me. I don't know why you keep on doing these things. You're, you're, it's like, that's a humanistic worldview. If I do this, God will give me this blessing. And if I do this, God will give me this blessing. He's like, you just have to love me and it's already yours. It's all ready yours. He uses it in the past tense because some of us think like, oh, when we do this, God will give us this because that's the world we were raised in, right? You scratch my back, I scratch yours. You do this for me, I do this for you. And we tend to deal with God in that similar worldly view that if I do this for God, God is going to do this for me. And if I do this for God, God is going to do this for me. And he, Paul is saying right here, even if you never did another thing for God, if you loved him and you were unified for him, he has all of your blessings in him, wrapped up in him. What's for you is for you. Your blessing is already there. You don't have to fight no one for a promotion. You don't got to argue for someone to get ahead. You don't got to do all that because if it's for you, God is not going to move you around them. He will move them from in front of you. What's for you? It's for you. It's your, whoa, it's your blessing. I don't know what that was. That was probably me. It's your blessing. It's all yours. He says, and so verse four, he says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. I want to hang on that for a little bit, and I want to talk about this thing of adoption. We all understand adoption, and we all have seen or witnessed someone get adopted, Right? And what does it say right here? Paul's saying, hey, before you even knew you needed to be adopted, he was ready to adopt you. Whew, that's powerful. That's powerful. What is adoption? When you break it down to the root word, it's a, it's a, it's a French word. And, and what it means is to take someone as your own. To take someone as your own. Before we even knew we needed a father, we needed a savior, God was already in line saying, I'm ready to take you in as my own. You don't even know that you need me, but you need me. I love, what's interesting is the process of adoption, right? I've never been adopted, so I don't know what that's like, but there are people who have been adopted. But what happens in adoption? In adoption, what do you receive? What are some things you receive? You receive a new name, right? You receive a new name. You get a new job, a new role, a new history. She's all right. Pay attention to me. This is more important. A new inheritance. You are dealt with differently than someone who is not in the family. See, in, in adoption, you receive a new name, right? Why is that so important? Because to the world, they might have called you something. But when you were adopted, when you were taken, when the blood of Jesus paid, because anyone has ever heard of adoption fees, right? 
and they range from anywhere to like five to 40,000. And so what's beautiful about adoption is that Jesus paid the fee. He said, he said, hey, how much is this person? How much is Jeremy? Oh, that's expensive. Put it all on me. Because what does the Bible say? For the wages of sin, wages of sin is death. And so Jesus goes, oh, if the wages of sin is death, put all his sin on me. I'm going to pay for it. And I'm no longer going to call you what the world calls you. You're going to get a new name. I'm going to identify you differently. You're no longer just Jeremy. You're no longer just, you don't belong to you. I am putting my name on you because when people see you, they're going to see a child of the king. Your, your name is different. I don't call you what your past calls you. I called you but what I intended for you to do. Your whole name is different. You don't operate by that name anymore. That's why when people are like, man, you're a new, you, you act different. Yeah, I got adopted. I was adopted by God. I was adopted by our Father. Your name is different. Your role is different. If you grew up in a family, you had a job. Hey, Jeremy, your job is to do this. Your job is to do that. When you grow up in a family, you get a new job. You get new expectations. In the family, God says, oh, since you're in me and you have a new name, let me tell you how this family works. But some of us sometimes, we want to go to God and say, but that's not how my family worked. He goes, that's not your name anymore. You're in my family now. I bought you. I put my blood on you. You're in my family. You have every right. You're in my family now. But God, I, I just, I didn't learn that way in my family. It doesn't matter. You need to forget what's behind and move towards what's ahead. Let me tell you how you operate in this family. No, you don't do things by yourself in this family. You got brothers and sisters now. Yeah, your calling's a little bit different. Guess what? If your family member's not doing their job, that's okay. I called you to pray. I called you to encourage. I called you to fast. I called you to read your word. I called you to love. I called you to joy. Your job is different now. And don't think for a moment that just because you're not on stage preaching, that doesn't mean your job is any less important. You're a part of a family, and we need you. This family needs you. You get a new job, you get a new role, you operate a little differently, you get a new history. Amen for that, amen, hallelujah. You get a new history. Some of us got jacked up families. Can I get a witness? Some of us got jacked up families. Our families are so messed up and backwards, but when you're adopted, your history changes. Your history is not the same. You come from a place where it's just like, you know what? My earthly family was jacked up, and I came from this place of addicts or, or, or pimps and prostitutes, and I come from unhealthy ground. But when I was adopted, when I was brought into this new family, I don't even look like them no more. Yeah, our faith looks the same, but our history is different because Jesus stepped in the middle, and he changed all my history. I'm no longer destined to be an addict. I'm no longer destined to have the same struggles. When Jesus stepped in the middle, he broke all those spiritual bonds because I got a new name. Now you can walk around like this a little bit with a little swag. 
hey, and people want to remind you, wasn't, wasn't your daddy, wasn't your daddy a, a rolling stone? Oh, which one are you talking about? Because Jesus, he rolled the stone away, so that's my daddy. Like, yeah, my earthly daddy may be a rolling stone, but we don't, <laughs> we, we got a whole different history. We got a whole different, he done changed my past. It's no longer, it's no longer bonded to, to the earthly realm. It's new in Christ Jesus. So now when you share your legacy with your children, you can say, listen, grandpa, grandma, yeah, they were a little crazy, but let me tell you about, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about our heavenly father. See, your earthly father is just an imperfection of what your heavenly father is. So your whole history is different. Hold on. Your whole history is different. Your whole history is different. You, gotta, you don't have to, some of us, we well, we stay in the past. We stay in the past of our, our father's errors and we're supposed to learn from that. We're not supposed to dwell there because Jesus says, I make you new. I put my stamp on you. I put my Holy Spirit in you. So guess what? All those generational curses, they stop with you because the Holy Spirit's in you. You don't got to share the past with them anymore. I give you a new past and I get, I'm giving you a bright future. Doesn't that fire you up, right? Doesn't that fire you? Like, I don't got to sit here and tell this sad story of like, you know, I never knew my daddy or my mom wasn't around or, you know, I don't got to tell that story. My story now starts with, man, let me tell you about my dad in heaven. He gave me a new story. He gave me a new story. I don't got to feel sad about the past anymore. I've learned from it and I know what to stay away from, but he set me apart. He put the Holy Spirit in me. Oh, that's, whew. I don't care what you, I, listen, and I say this respectfully and out of love, I don't care what your daddy or your mom did or your family or what situation you were born into, when you said yes to Christ Jesus, all of that was cut off and in you, you're starting a new legacy. So when your children and your children's children now look back to you and they say, oh, no, grandma, granddad, like, no, they were different. They were full of the spirit. Like, I heard them praying. I saw them fasting. Their whole life was different. So I don't care what happens after that. I know they set a new standard in this family. Amen? There you go. You got a new inheritance. Oh, shoot. You have a new inheritance. Some of us, right, our moms and dads, whether I don't, I, they're wealthy, they're not wealthy, they pass things on and they say, hey, this has been in the family for X amount of years, um, this, this saying or this house has been in the family for this amount of years. And the thing is, is that it's usually, it's materialistic and it's like this has stayed in this family so you're gonna inherit this one day, and those things are well and good, and that's not bad at all to inherit things. But if you come from a place where there's not much to inherit, not much to take from another generation, inheriting means you're taking something from the previous owner, from usually a family member, you're inheriting, you're taking it on. But when you were adopted in Christ Jesus, your inheritance, What's on this earth could fade away. You inherited all of heaven. You inherited all of heaven. And so guess what? What your daddy owns in heaven, you own too. He says, I put this on you. You are inheriting this. 
You, when I adopted you into this family, I didn't adopt you with restrictions. I, adopt, I adopted you with full rights for everything that I have for you. All of your blessings. Every, and some of us think like, oh, our inheritance is heaven and we got to wait till we die. He says, no, no, no. I've got blessings for you here on this earth that you can now inherit because you got my name. You got, you got a new job in this family. And so you will inherit all that I have for you. It's yours. It always, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Lion King, Simba. <laughs> Everything that the light touches. And I, I always remember that moment. He says, everything that the light touches is yours. Everything that the light touches is yours. Every place that the Spirit leads you is yours. It belongs to you. This ain't name it and claim it. I'm not preaching that kind of stuff because there's no fruit in that. This is knowing your inheritance. Whatever is for you is for you. That's why you don't got to sweat some stuff. That's why you can chill out and just be like, I ain't even going to bother with it. If it's for me, it's going to be mine. It's not a matter of, 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 of if, it's a matter of when. He says it has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. I want to hear me when I say this today. Your spiritual blessings are so much more important than your earthly blessings. Why? What if I inherit a million dollars? That's nice and all, but your spiritual blessing can break generational curses. Your spiritual blessings can change the outcome from generation to generation. Yeah, money's great and it'll last a moment, but your spiritual blessing can, be, can change eternity. It can change eternity. Yeah, it's great. I mean, money's not bad. Just don't make it your God. And what your parents can give you is great. Don't make it your God. Because you got to understand, when you place the spiritual blessing over your earthly blessing, you begin to steward your earthly blessings a little bit differently. You no, lo no longer hold on to things so tight. Oh, I got to hold on to this because if I lose it, I'm going to lose it forever. We can get in this place of, hey... I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to have a little bit, but I know that Jesus dwells within me and the Spirit dwells within me, so whether I have it now and don't have it later, that's okay, because my soul is wrapped all up in heaven, and so if I lose it on earth, I got so much more in heaven. I got so much more, I might even give you a little bit. <laughs> he says that we were adopted. We were adopted. Listen, I want to let some of you know, I don't know what you've been through in your life, but I want to declare to you today, and I, I need you to hear me when I, when I say this, God is not a God of foster care. He is not a foster care God. He is a God of adoption. And you're like, I've been messed up. Listen, I don't know if you've been through foster care and you've passed from person to person, and I know that sucks, and that has left some scars. But the God, your father, is not a foster care God. He is an adoption God. So when you said yes to him and he said, great, Forget all of your past because you are mine. I am taking you as my own. I'm not going to pass you to some other God. I'm not passing you to some other deity because there is no God like me. You have my name on you. You got my blessings on you. You got a new role. You got a new purpose. You don't have to feel lonely or scarred. You are mine. 
God doesn't run a foster care system. That's not the God we serve. He's not passing you on. He's not, he doesn't see you as a troubled child. God doesn't look at you as a troubled child. Every time he looks at you, he's like, yeah, they're a little messy, but thank God my spirit is in them. They ain't no trouble to me at all. Some of you, that's the way some of you guys view yourselves, though, and it blows my mind. You view yourself to God as if God views you as a troubled child. Don't you know the blood of Jesus washed you and made you new? You're not a troubled child. You're a child of the king. You are a child of the king. And so what happens if you are a child of the king? You are also a king. You are also a queen. That's why God says, I, I rule the invisible realm. I, God runs the kingdom of heaven. God is the owner of all the invisible. He runs all the invisible. So he created earth to be visible. And then what did he tell man? Go and take dominion over it. Go and build a kingdom. Take dominion. That's what he told Adam. He said, make dominion. And so now, fast forward a couple thousand years, Jesus comes, washes us clean, puts the Holy Spirit in us, and now that we have the Holy Spirit in us, God is no longer just the king of himself. He said, you know what? I'm the king of the invisible. I want you guys to take dominion on earth through the Spirit, so I want you guys to be kings of the visible. So I'm the king of kings. I am the king of of kings. I'm not king of, of paupers. I'm not king of poor. I'm not king. No, no, no. When you said yes to me, you took on my inheritance. You took on my name. You took on my spirit. So now you are a king as well. So go and take dominion over the earth. Go and proclaim the name of Jesus and not in your own name, but in the name of the Holy Spirit who is above every other name. Are you guys hearing this today? I'm pretty fired up because, like, we just need to get our identity right. It says in verse 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we talked about God the Father. This is God the Son. It says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. How many of us have seen those Disney movies, right? Hold on. Hold on, Kelsey. How many of us have seen those Disney movies where these people get adopted into bad families, right? It's just like, oh, you know, I guess we'll take them in. God says it was his great pleasure to adopt us. He found joy to take us in. And that links with the verse that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because it was his joy. It was his joy to adopt us and bring us into his family. So much so that he put his son on the cross. He says, I guess, and I'm not saying this is biblical, but I believe the conversation in heaven went something like, I know you're my son and whom I love. But I got all these people on earth I want to adopt. I got all these people I want in the family. So I can't spare you in heaven. We need to get them back to us. And so I'm going to put you on the cross because I, I, I want them. I, I need them in this family. I need them to have my name. I, I, that's so important to me. That he gave up his own son. He says, hey, son, mm, I, you, you're going to pay the way for all of them. 
How do I do that? Through your blood. I'm not going to want sacrifices anymore because sacrifices were like little increment payments. Your blood's going to pay the way for them past, present, and future for all eternity. God was like, listen, I ain't doing no little payments. I'm not financing forgiveness. I'm not financing grace. I'm paying it all down right now through my son because I want you. Ooh, that wasn't even in the notes. Hallelujah. It says it was his great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured onto us through his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us of our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with wisdom and understanding. Now we're going to go into verse nine. Good. I'm keeping on track. Um, this is God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Because everything wasn't under Christ's authority. Before Jesus died, everything wasn't under his authority. But when Jesus died and resurrected with all power, that's why he says, I go, I am with you even to the very end of the age, right? That's a great commission. He says, everything has been placed under my authority. When Jesus rose from the grave, everything was placed under his authority. Let me see. Furthermore, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. What does he make work out according to his plan? What does he make everything work out according to his plan? Come on. Y'all got to say it like you, you know it. What, what does he work out according to his plan? Everything. 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 So if you're living right now and you're like, man, I feel like I'm in a lot of trouble. He's worked it out already according to his plan. Everything. That means your future, your hopes, your whatever you're insecure about. He's like, hey, I've worked out everything. So walk freely in me. And this is God, the Holy Spirit, in verses 12 and, and continuing on. It says, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised a long time ago. Now he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, this was promised to you a long time ago. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the only identifier that you are in the family? That's it. It's, it's no physical attribute. There's no name attribute. There's no hierarchy that says this is where they are. There's no caste system. He said the only thing that identifies you with your inheritance is the Holy Spirit within you. That's why you need to get comfortable with everyone who looks different on earth because in heaven, it's going to look the same. 
because the only thing that we'll have in common is the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where your family's from. I don't care what you've been through. If you are full of the Holy Spirit, you are my brother and sister in Christ. I don't even care what your political affiliation is. You got the Holy Spirit? Okay, well, that's all that's going to matter because when the earth is stripped away of all of these things, all that matters is, is the Holy Spirit in you. I hear you. Is the Holy Spirit in you. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. The gift was given to you at... If you don't have the Holy Spirit, I pray that you receive the Holy Spirit. I pray that you receive the Holy Spirit. Chris, if you don't mind coming up to play. Your Holy Spirit's the only identifier to your inheritance. That's it. The Holy Spirit is your own, that's the only identifier to your inheritance. And some of you guys question if you have the Holy Spirit in you. You know when the Holy Spirit's in you. You know, and I'm not saying he's a feeling but you can sense him and say, yeah, I'm, I'm walking in the Holy Spirit. Because you no longer want anything from your past, and you just want things, all that God has for you. That's, the whole, that's a seal. That's the seal of approval is the Holy Spirit. What is it? We spoke about this. It says, Jesus said, unless the Spirit draws them to me. And then Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. But first, the Holy Spirit must lead you. Write this down. I'm going to say this. I'm going I'm I'm to repeat this. If you are being drawn, you have been chosen. If you are being drawn, you have been chosen. Jesus said, unless the Spirit draws them to me, unless the Father draws, use the Spirit to draw them to me. If you are being drawn, you have been chosen. Your free will is to choose if you decide to answer the call. Listen, I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to be real transparent with you guys. In Ephesians 1, a lot of Christians get caught up in the text because it says you've been predetermined. We've had a whole split in theology about it. Well, you know, we believe, Calvinists believe that God chose us, or Arminians believe that we chose God. And I'm standing before you right now saying, I don't lean on either side of that, because I believe that when God calls us, we have the right to our free will to answer the call. So it takes both of them. Yes, God chose to adopt us from the beginning. God chose us to be in his family from the beginning. But I believe it is our free will to make the decision to be, say, I want to be in your family. I know there are so many, there are theologians who may watch us and scoff and say, ugh. But that's the way the Spirit revealed it to me. God chose us from the beginning. Before we even knew we needed adoption, God chose us. Before we even we knew we needed a savior, God chose us. But it is my free will, it is your free will to say, yep, I want to be adopted by you, God. Bring me into your family. Or it is my free will to say, mm -mm, I don't want that. I'm going to live my own way. 
We've literally had theologians just argue back and forth, and yet I believe there's a, God is always chasing, God is always going, he's like, I, I wanted to adopt you. That's why I said, if you're being drawn, you have been chosen. Why? Because in Matthew 22, 14, it says, many are called, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. God is calling people left and right, and the Spirit is drawing people left and right. But at some point, I have to make the decision to say, Holy Spirit, choose me. Pick me. Please, I'm here. Please. It's like, and the thing is, is like you're not the last person to be picked, right? Like in high school or grade school. It's like, oh, uh, like I was a little chubby, so I was always the last one to get picked for the basketball team. This is not like one of those begrudging pictures, like, fine, I'll take them. He's like, oh, you answered the call. I've been waiting to adopt you. I have everything for you. Yes, you got the call and you're saying yes. So here's everything I have for you. And so much so that I lavished it on you. And it's not only for heaven, but it's for right here on earth. What a promise. What a promise. When you answer the call, when you say yes, because even in the real, even on earth, the adoption, like the person who's being adopted has to say yes. They have to say yes to those parents. When you're adopted, when, when you're in Christ Jesus, and I want you guys to write these six things down. You are adopted. That means he has taken you has as his own you are adopted and not only are you adopted but you are accepted how important is that not only did he take you as his own but he's like i accept you for where you are at we've seen i mean how many of us have seen foster or adoptions go where they adopt the child but they don't accept it accept him for who he is jesus he says i accept you because the blood of my son is over you I accept that you're messy because Jesus makes you clean. So I've adopted you. I've accepted you. I have redeemed you. What does redeem? It means to take back. I took you from your own sin. I took you from your own history. I took you from your broken lineage. I have redeemed you. I have taken you back. And guess what? There is no power in hell or on earth or under the earth or under the sky. There is no one who can take you from me. I've taken you. I have redeemed you. You belong to me. Four, he says you are sealed. You are sealed. So I've taken you, I've accepted you, I've redeemed you, and I now I am sealing you with the Holy Spirit. I'm putting this Holy Spirit in you, and it's going to seal you. It's going to uncover you and envelop you. And anytime I look down on, look down at you, because he dwells in the holy places, anytime I look down on you, I say, you see my son? You see my daughter? They look like me, don't they? Uh-huh. Yeah, they think they look weird, but I made them that way. You see what they got on them, though? Yeah, they got, 
That's my presence. That's my personal presence in them. It's called the Holy Spirit. Y'all know about this. Y'all know about this. And guess what? I am so happy with them. And I rejoice over them. And I love the way I created them. Yeah, they got little quirks, but I'm working them out. I'm so proud of them. Look at that seal. They got the Holy Spirit in them. And when you are sealed, just like an envelope, when you are sealed, you are secured. When you are sealed, you are secured. What's the song? Blessed assurance. There's an assurance on you. There's a guarantee on you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Whew. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You guys know that song? You heard that song before? It's not blessed insurance, it's blessed assurance. It's not blessed insurance, it's blessed assurance. Assurance means it's a guarantee. It's for sure happening. So you are secured. When you give me your life and my Holy Spirit's dwelling in you, you are guaranteed. You are sealed and you are secured. And the last thing is, you are secured, but you're also restored. What does it mean, restored? Jesus says, when I redeemed you, I have taken you back from, from sin, which had so such a strong hold on you. And not only am I going to secure you and seal you, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to put you back to work. Right? I'm going to put you back to work. What does that mean? I don't want you to necessarily leave where you are. You think, see, so many people are like, oh, I wish I, like, or they say like, oh, man, I, if I got saved, I just want to go straight to heaven. God is like, I don't, I don't have any need for you in heaven right now. I got angels. I don't, I don't need you in heaven. I redeemed you. I sealed you. I secured you because I need to restore you and put you back into where the darkness is so that you may be the light. I put my seal in you because I need you to be the light. I don't need you in heaven right now. That's why all of y'all are sitting in this room because you have the Holy Spirit in you giving you life and I need to put you where the darkness is. But God, that looks scary. What did the Lion King say? Everything the light touches is mine. I need you to go to that place. That's why God creates missionaries. That's why God has you in certain situations and you're like, God, this is hard. I don't know why I'm in this situation. This situation's really tough. I don't really understand it. I don't get it, but why do you have me here? And he goes, because I restored you. Your brothers and sisters need to see the light in you. They need to see how good adoption is. They won't know unless you tell them. They won't know. They need to see how good it is. I'm gonna end on this. This is one of the things, listen, what I'm ending on is one of these things that God, like I laid in bed for about a good solid 20 minutes and the Holy Spirit was like, get up! And I was like, okay. And in, in horticulture or gardening or cultivation and management, there's this thing called grafting, right? Anyone heard of skin grafting? It's where they take skin from someone else and they put it on you and they graft it to your skin. It all started in grafting, where they would clip a certain part of a tree or a certain part of a branch and they would take it and they would cut a notch out and they would put it into a healthier, stronger tree. Does that make sense to everyone? So they would take this twig out, boop, 
and they'd split it and whatever, and they'd put it in the larger tree and then they'd wrap it. And then over time, the two trees, it would graft itself to that tree, thus making that branch or that twig a part of that tree. And a tree is comprised of three main parts. There is the roots, there's the trunk, and the leaf, twig, and branches, and everything up top, and the foliage, and the fruit, it's called the crown. Oof. When the Holy Spirit woke me, like, y'all, it was like really one of those random thoughts of like, the Holy Spirit's like, go write this down. And so what happens, what is it, what is, what is God, what does Jesus say in John? I am the vine, and you are the branches, and my Father is the gardener. So what does he do when God forgives you? He sees you a part of this dying plant right here. He goes, oh, they came to me. So you know what? Let me cut them off from this right here. And I'm going to take them and I'm going to graft them into my son. I'm going to graft them into this tree. Because when they are part of that, that's dying, that's going down. But I took them off and I'm gonna graft them. And how I'm gonna graft them together is that I'm gonna wrap them in the Holy Spirit. Because what does Jesus say? He goes, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, I am the trunk of the tree, you are the branches. Are y'all getting this? He grafted us into this family. He grafted, listen, visualize this with me. We were part of a dying tree without foliage, without anything, without bearing no fruit, right? Some of us have that. We didn't have anything up here. All the leaves had fallen. And this is called the, the tree of sin. All the leaves are falling off. But when we said, God, save me from this, save me from myself, he came over here, he says, I got you because I'm God, I'm the gardener. So I'm gonna cut you off and I'm gonna graft you into my son right here because when you are in my son and I've wrapped you in the Holy Spirit, now, no longer you part of a dying tree you've got a crown you're a part of a crown now it says it right there the tree is comprised of three parts the roots the trunk and the crown so every tree you look at I pray that from this day forward that every beautiful tree you see that's bearing fruit and it's doing something wonderful, you are a part of that crown. In all the heavenlies, in all of these places, Jesus says you are a part of the crown. You have a crown on you because I'm the king of kings and if you're attached to me as a tree, your crown is beautiful. See, that crown, the crown of your flesh is withering away. Ain't nothing beautiful on it. But when you grafted yourself to me, ooh, you're a jewel on my crown now. You make this tree beautiful. He says every tree that doesn't produce fruit, every branch that doesn't produce fruit, he cuts it off. But he's like, oh, when you grafted yourself to me through the Father, ooh, it's a new life, family. I wanted to end today and I don't know what your story is. I don't. Does it matter? Kinda. 
But I want today to be, if you've never been adopted by God or you never said yes to the adoption, today is the day of salvation. Today is a day that you can leave your dying tree and be grafted into all of heaven, into Jesus, because he says, when you are grafted to me, you have life in me. There is life. You will bear much fruit. And guess what? Everything that I have, all of heaven, all the resources of heaven are yours. You don't have to walk in shame because you didn't know who your daddy or your mom was. You don't got to walk in shame because of all your, your family legacy. You don't got to walk in shame, but you can walk upright and say, I know my earthly past is, is checkered and it's marred and it's full of sin, but right now I am raising the standard for my children and my grandchildren because I've been grafted to the king of kings. I'm a part of that family now. So everything that's in the past, let go. Let go of it. Paul says, he says it, he says it in scripture. He says, forgetting what is behind, whether it was good or bad, forget what's behind you. But I'm striving toward what's ahead. What's in front of us? Heaven. Even on this earth, what's in front of us? Because I could tell you this, Everything that God has for you in front of you will always be greater than what you did behind you. Always. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. And the Holy Spirit seals you. And you are loved. And you are cared for. And guess what? If you're like, I don't know if I got a family, look around you. You got a family right here. Amen? Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed online as you're watching, I want to pray for you as well. Father, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you, Lord God, and for grafting us into your family. Thank you for your, the blood of Jesus, which is available to all of us. As you're in this room and you don't, you don't think you've ever given your heart to Jesus. You don't think you're in the kingdom and, and you're saying, Pastor, I don't think I'm in the family. I don't think I've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I want to be. Could you raise your hand? Raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. Ain't no one's watching you but me. There you go. I see you. I see you. Ain't no one, ain't no one watching but me. I see you too. I see you too. I'm going to pray over you right now. The same way Paul laid his hands on those disciples and prayed over them, I'm going to pray over you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every person who raised their, raised their hand, Lord God, they're saying, I want to let go of my past and I want to be in the kingdom, Lord. So, Lord God, as a pastor, I intercede on their behalf. I pray that they forget their past and they say yes to everything that God has for them in the future. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill them up right now. Seal them secure them and restore them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill them, Lord God. Show them their purpose. Give them their gifting, Lord God, that they may operate and lead others to the kingdom. We thank you for the salvation of their souls. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise right now? Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. We just thank you. We just thank you. Listen, if you raised your hand, and even if you didn't raise your hand because you just felt embarrassed or weird, don't, don't ever feel weird in this house. Look at the pastor. He's a little weird. 
But don't, you don't need to feel weird. You don't need to feel embarrassed. For those who raise their hand, you're in the family now. We're brothers. We're siblings. And the Holy Spirit that fills me to walk in my gifting is the same Holy Spirit that will fill you to walk in your gifting. I'm here to help you, lead you, guide you into that as a good brother can. Don't, don't try and do this thing by yourself. You got to remain. Listen, that branch isn't, a, isn't the only branch attached to the tree. There are other little branches trying to produce fruit. So don't do it by yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, um, I know usually we have our announcements come up on the screen. Real three quick, four quick announcements. One, we want you to connect with us. So as you fill out the cards in the back, fill out a connect card. We want to connect with you. This is, these are ways to get involved. Two, um, we want to pray for you. So if you can go online at pioneerchurch.com forward slash prayer, we want to pray with you and for you. Or there's index cards in the back. Write on one. I get them. I pray on them. Trust me, I do. Three, generosity. God loves a cheerful giver. The reason why you're able to sit in this room is because someone invested into the kingdom and says, I need a, a church to prepare a place for a soul to walk, encounter Jesus. Live a generous life. The Bible says give and it will be given back to you. You're in, God says when you give of your earthly, I'm going to bless you with the spiritual. I'm, I'm going to send you a resource from heaven you can't even contain. God overflows the cup and blesses the saucer. Four, later this month, we're going to make an announcement that we're going to have small groups, and we want you guys to be involved. We're going to have a financial small group. I think we're going to have one men's and one women's and one married. We're, we're working out all the details right now, but we'd love for you guys to get involved. Um, just stay tracking with me, and uh, we'll put it on our website, and we'll have sign-up sheets and all that stuff. But other than that, did everyone receive the word today? Amen. Let's pray and, and get us out of here. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that your spirit dwelled in here. Fill us, Lord. Don't let us walk out of this place the same, Lord. And Lord God, thank you that we are a part of the kingdom. We love you. And we praise your name in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Listen, I know I forgot to do communion. We're going to do communion next week. Um, so if you guys could kindly return them back to Miss Jerry in the back. Miss Jerry, raise your hand. There you go. She's going to be walking around with a little plate. Just return them and we're going to take communion next week. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.